The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Thank you. Let's see how the sound is. How's the sound? Everybody hear me? Okay. Thank you. I've been feeling great great gratitude for the practice this weekend. Um, I led my study group yesterday morning and uh, just the joy I have from being able to share the Dharma and being able to really stay with the intention of kindness, of non-harming in this very difficult time in our country. Um, Feels like there's so much hatred where people who feel hatred feel empowered to act on that hatred. And I see that in my own LGBT community. I see that with the attacks on synagogues and uh, Jewish cemeteries and the immigrant communities, families being split apart. Very difficult time. And uh, it feels in many ways like the depth of my practice has grown in really staying true with that strong intention to always act from a place of kindness, from non-harming, even when there's so much anger um, that's present in our country. Now, many of you have probably heard the quote just, just recently. It's been repeated again and again from the Buddha, the words that are so timeless that hatred never ceases by hatred, and that hatred is healed by love alone. And I love that translation, that hatred is healed, because it really acknowledges that Hatred is a sickness. So one of the natural outflows of an intention of kindness and non-harming is generosity. And that's what I'll be speaking about this morning. I love this practice of generosity and uh, being able to speak about generosity. And knowing a center like this that exists entirely based on the generosity of the community that supported it. In the Buddhist uh, teachings, in the time of the Buddha, his instructions were to begin with a practice of dana, of generosity. That was the first step. And then he'd provide instructions on sila, morality, of living in harmony with other beings, living in harmony with the truth, living in harmony with our own hearts. So generosity serves to begin to purify the heart, begin to break through the sense of separation between one and another, And that opens to the deepening of our practice of living in harmony with other beings. And then the Buddha would provide instructions on meditation and insight meditation practice. So we don't usually offer those instructions in exactly that order, but the practice of generosity deeply supports our practice. So I'll speak on four aspects of uh, generosity this morning, the importance of the practice, the importance of appreciating our own generosity, really taking the time to feel, to appreciate our generous actions. And then making a practice of watching for the impulse, watching for the impulse to give and having an underlying intention of following through on on taking the action to give. It's a very rich practice. And then another aspect of generosity is honoring those who are generous to us practice in itself, something that's not often talked about. So generosity is defined as giving without expecting anything in return. Also a practice to watch this, to watch the subtlety of is there an expectation of something in, in return. 
Even if there is, it can still be a good thing to give. But it, uh, it deepens our practice to be aware of under any underlying intentions of receiving something in return. So it's much like the practice of loving kindness. The practice of loving kindness, goodwill, kind, uh, goodwill for all beings. The intention is that it's unconditional, boundless, extended outwards for all beings without expecting anything in return. So the practice of generosity is, is the same way. Generosity can ri- arise very naturally in response to uh, suffering as a feeling of compassion, the quivering of the heart that recognizes suffering, wishes for it to end, and then following through with a generous act. Of course, not every time we feel compassion is it called for to, to be generous. Uh, particularly, we, see, we may see this with, uh, with the homeless, homeless people that are so present around us that we don't always, maybe not always appropriate, maybe not most of the time appropriate to, to give to the homeless who are asking for money. So generosity is uh, very much supported by loving kindness, by gratitude, by the gratitude of feeling like we have enough. Con- contentment can come with feeling like I have enough in life that I can be open to sharing, open to sharing with others. So I'd like to begin with a story of my own life and coming into practice and how the, the generosity and gratitude were so important. It took me about 20 years to open to feeling this gratitude. When I was um, maybe in my uh, mid to late 30s, I started to remember, I just, just about erased it from my memory, how in a time when I didn't have a place to live, I was 19 years old, I don't think the word homeless existed in the 1970s. I don't remember that word. But I didn't have a home. And uh, a church gave me a place to stay. And I had no connection to that church. So people I didn't even know that reached out and let me stay in the church. And uh, it was all I needed. I didn't have a, a drug or alcohol problem. I was able to get my feet on the ground and, and get back, back into life on my own pretty quickly. But this pure act of generosity, and I started to open to feeling that gratitude, the purity of that act. And it opened my heart to feel like I need to be as generous as that. I need to give back. So I started looking at ways to give back and um, volunteering my time, starting writing checks for an organization that serves homeless and runaway youth. And San Francisco, called Larkin Street Youth Services. And then kind of the way these things happen sometimes, as this was kind of processing through the purification of my heart, beginning to open up to the difficult stories of my life we can all experience in practice. One day I was walking out, out of Pete's Coffee, right around the corner from my house on Market Street in San Francisco. And there was a young man, looked about 19 years old, asking for money. And he didn't look like he should be homeless. He didn't fit the, the, the mode that I was, would expect to see. And I asked him about his story, and he told me his story. And I said, well, I heard, you know, I heard about this place called Larkin Street. Why don't you go there and get a place to stay? They'll help you. And he said that the, he was a year too old, that they stopped at the age of 18. And... Uh, 
I didn't talk to him again. I'd see him in the neighborhood once in a while. I could see his mental health declining. Uh, looked like he might have uh, become a drug addict too. It was hard to tell. So I'm off and on for maybe five or six years and then and disappeared. I don't no idea what happened uh, to him. But just a couple weeks after I saw him, a friend of mine, um, who I didn't know at the time, was on the board of Larkin Street Youth Services. And he didn't know of my connection to the organization. He just approached me and said, how about helping us out in raising money for a new older youth transitional housing facility for homeless, for uh, 19 to 24 year olds? Must have been some karma at work there. <laughs> so, so I did that as a way of returning the, the generosity to, that was offered to me. And when I started to get involved and meet in committees and then, then on the board, it was clear to me that it was not purely generosity. I was also healing myself. Maybe 90% of my purpose in being there was to heal myself. But it was still generously serving others. And uh, over time, as a healing was allowed to occur, beginning to be supported by this practice of mindfulness, uh, then it became more, more pure generosity. I can feel the gratitude right now, just connecting with that, uh, that memory of the people who helped me. So this generosity, it's... Uh, I could, as I started to perform those acts of generosity, the sense of loving kindness, it really started to become more um, deeper part of my life, coming into the meditation practice. And it's almost like in that exact order, feeling gratitude, opening to generosity, beginning to purify my intentions and my actions, and then coming into meditation practice. I could see that very order of practice that the Buddha spoke about. It can be a beautiful feeling that can come with, with generosity. I was on a three-month retreat this fall um, back at Insight Meditation Society, so I was a practitioner. Uh, one day, in particular, for whatever reason, what came into attention again and again throughout the day was a review of all of my generous actions. Nothing extraordinary about my own generous actions, but just connecting with them and feeling such happiness and joy in reflecting on those. Uh, this is why I encourage you as well to reflect on your generous actions. As well, I could see that connection. What followed then was a review of what is wholesome and what is unwholesome. What is wholesome that is not rooted in greed, not rooted in delusion, not rooted in aversion. And what is unwholesome, that's which, which is rooted in greed, aversion, and delusion. So the generosity naturally provides this purification for the clear seeing and the deepening of practice. It's words from the Buddha that generosity brings happiness at every stage of its expression. We experience joy in forming the intention to be generous. We experience joy in the actual act of giving something and we experience joy in remembering the fact that we have given. So joy in the intention, joy in the action, joy in the remembering. Pay attention to this. See if you can catch those feelings that come along with that impulse 
that intention to give might just be the intention to be present for a loved one when they're suffering, just to listen. Pay attention to that intention and then the presence during the action, the joy during the action and the feeling that comes afterwards. I feel like my voice might be fading a little bit. Can you still hear me okay? Okay. I'll try and lift it up a little bit. And then the beautiful qualities of the heart that really come forth as a result of generosity, the beautiful qualities of the Brahma Viharas, the divine abodes, that are really innate qualities, could say innate qualities of the heart of awareness. And these really come forth with the practice of generosity, the quality of loving kindness, metta, quality of compassion, that quivering of the heart in response to suffering, the empathetic joy of sharing and the joy of others, and the equanimity, the calm, peaceful acceptance of the heart that can be right at peace in the middle of even the most difficult circumstances. So a particular inspiration for me in practice is the generosity that has allowed this practice to continue, I think it's for 2,560 years since the time of the Buddha's enlightenment. So he was enlightened under the Bodhi tree, fully realized the truth of the way things are, and chose to share his precious teachings. And it's generosity that's allowed those teachings to be carried forward And the practice we're following right now that directly connects us to the moment of the Buddha's awakening. This inseparable link, always inspiring and deepening faith in my own practice to to see and know that link. Knowing the first couple hundred years, there was no written word. So monks memorized the talks from the Buddha, hundreds of talks, would repeat them over their lifetime, pass it on to another generation, for many generations before there was a written word and the text could be written down. Think of the, the thousands and thousands of renunciants, monks and nuns, who so generously offered their life practice, given up everything for the practice, great generosity. And all the people who supported centers like this, supported the renunciants over that 2,560 years. Such great generosity in, in this community right here with uh, IMC and IRC too. So generosity can take many forms. There's the um, generosity I mentioned of just listening, just being present. It's a great gift that for us in practice, we learn how to just sit, listen, pay attention. Something we can really offer friends and loved ones in difficult times. It's a great act of generosity just to be present with that intention for kindness, non-harming and the compassion that can naturally arise. Can really, from that presence, make room for the other person to open to what may, may be present for them to allow the healing to occur. So there's a gift of generosity. The people who volunteered to help clean up the halls today, earning merit for practice, supports the earning of the merit of practice. Um, the uh, just um, giving of t- volunteering of time, giving money, m- so many different forms of generosity. On my three-month retreat, I was looking for ways to practice generosity. It can be, have to be pretty refined attention to looking for those small acts, but to hold the door open for someone. I kept seeing that 
merit is indeed earned for practice through generosity. So I kept looking for opportunities. I started taking a plastic bag with me on my walks along the road and picking up trash. And I'd note the aversion to the cans of beer that looked like they still had something in them. I wouldn't want to pick them up. Oh, there's a aversion coming up. So I'd bring latex gloves to, with me to pick that up too. Or practice. And I was watching that impulse, watching the impulse to give the intention to act. And sometimes I'd catch it a little too late. You know, maybe not holding the door open for someone. Can't really ask them to go back and do it over again. <laughs> Uh, one, one day I was walking, there was a little tiny candy wrapper. I think, I think a lot of yogis bring many, these mini candy bars on retreats. So it must have been a yogi's. Probably drop, I'm sure dropped by accident. But I saw it, and I walked by it. And then I stopped. What happened? Well, on retreat, you can kind of trace back and see what happened. I saw it, I registered it, and I could see there was a version. I didn't want to put my hand to the ground and then have to wash my hand when I got back. Completely silly. I was able to go back and pick up the, the little piece of trash and act on the impulse. Uh, something I learned from Joseph Goldstein, he teaches this, of uh, watching the impulse and acting on it. And uh, there's some, some regulating mechanism that seems to say, sometimes can we surprise ourselves on how generous we are, but I've never felt like I gave away too much in giving on that impulse. And I felt the regret sometimes and not, not acting on the immediacy, the purity of the heart when that impulse for giving is there. So sometimes a giving can be very considered. I have a friend who has a small foundation. He's the only person who, who does the work for it. He's so careful. He goes to every nonprofit, checks out their facilities, meets with the staff, even goes online and looks at their federal filings to make sure he's giving to the right organizations. So that's, that's a very appropriate kind of giving. Some, sometimes it's spontaneous. The same friend, I checked in on him this week. He has a cold, and he told me he was going to be swimming in a swimathon to raise money for his YMCA. And uh, it's great. He's 70 years old, just took up swimming after about 40 years, out, 40 years without having uh, done any swimming at all. So he was doing the swimathon and then couldn't do it because of his cold. And he said that there were very few people... Um, signing up. They were thinking of canceling. So right on the spot, he spontaneously told the why, why I'll be a sponsor for every single person who participates. So that purity, kind of the heart, acting on the impulse. Um, so he does both kinds of giving, both the very considered and the very spontaneous. And just hearing that story helps to strengthen my own commitment to acting on that impulse and paying, paying attention to it. So in many ways, I feel like I, that the trusting of the heart, we're trusting the heart when we feel the impulse to give and when we act on it. Trusting the heart of awareness. Mother Teresa said, it's not about how much we do, but about the love we put into the doing. And it's not about how much we give, but about how much love we put into the giving. It doesn't really matter how much we give, but the purity of our intention in the giving. So it can really bring a, awareness, too, to what blocks the heart. I'm going to tell a kind of a yuck story about myself in a second where <laughs> that aversion was present. 
But if we can bring attention to where is there greed and aversion, delusion, it's a big important part of practice, seeing the greed, aversion, delusion that are present, and through the clear seeing, allowing those forces to begin to drop away. So that, that, that begins to allow the purification, allow the clear seeing, that opens in the direction of a happiness that's unconditional, the direction of our practice. So Ajahn Chah said, some people are afraid of generosity. They fear they will be taken advantage of or oppressed. In cultivating our generosity, we are only oppressing our greed and attachment. This allows our true nature to come out and become lighter and freer. So the backdrop to my uh, yuck stories, the backdrop's really beautiful. Um, uh, my partner's parents, uh, both more born in Mexico, they don't speak a word of English and uh, only speak Spanish. They live in the Central Valley. Uh, don't have much money, mostly been farm workers over their lifetimes. Uh, it's funny, they, they don't speak English and I don't speak Spanish, but when I make a visit with my partner and I said, say goodbye to his mother, and I look in her eyes, I know exactly what she's saying. Just take good care of my son. Um, but she, uh, I learned about 10 years ago that she was uh, feeding the homeless. Every week, once a meal, she would cook a meal for the homeless in her little town in the Central Valley, mostly Mexican immigrants, I, I think maybe entirely, um, probably all illegal, quote, illegal. And uh, she would just freely offer this meal. And um, my partner's father would set up the tables and chairs every week, 15, 20 people. Imagine if a lot more people said that in our society, the homeless problem could begin to go away. Such a pure act and from, from someone who, from people who don't have that much. So the yuck part of it is that um, she asked my partner and I to um, pay for paving an area and putting up a trellis for sun protection. And I looked at that expense and I thought, oh no, that's too much. And that was a pretty yucky feeling to this aversion coming up. And uh, it probably took a couple days, but then I opened to seeing how could I say no to someone who is so generous, so pure in their actions, uh, that of course I had to say yes to, to, to supporting that. So the trellis uh, has continued to grow. Fortunately, my partner who's an architect designed it to be very strong, so it now has a tin roof because there's been so much rain. And fortunately designed it to be large because the number of people showing up there is growing. And the way generosity tends to spread, now the other people are, are going to um, my in-law's house to help prepare the meal and help set up the tables and chairs. So it's continuing, continuing to grow the way this generosity can do. It's a story that I read in a Jack Cornfield book um, about a professional golfer uh, in the 60s and 70s, I can remember him when I was a kid, Argentinian Roberto Desenzi. Anybody remember that name? A couple of people do. He won a lot of tournaments, so it's a story of great generosity. He won a golf tournament, and he celebrated it afterwards, got his trophy, his check, walked out to the parking lot by himself at the very end of the day, and a young woman was there and told him a story about her sick and dying child. And he was so moved on hearing this that he said, let me endorse the check to you. Pretty amazing. 
Even in the 60s, the checks were pretty big. And the next day, he went back to the golf club where he'd won the tournament, and someone pulled him aside and said, you know that person who told you that story? Yes. And they, the person said, it was made up. And he said, so there's no sick and dying baby? The person said, no. And he said, well, that makes me very happy. <laughs> 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 That's a test of purity. <laughs> That's giving without expectation. So I really, uh, again, encourage you to watch that impulse and the impulse to give. I, sometimes the impulse can arise so quickly and the impulse just happens without a thinking process going on. And uh, this story, I, I, call, I call this story, It Wasn't Me. I came back from a meta retreat, my very first meta retreat. It was great. My heart was so open. I really connected with a new teacher, Sylvia Borstein, who had been my teacher for many years. She just radiates love and compassion. Um, I came back from this retreat. You know, living right near Market Street, I, I can't walk uh, a block without seeing three or four homeless, any directions homeless everywhere. And I came out and turned the corner. It's a cold, damp, wet day in San Francisco, and there was a man with no shirt on and looked homeless. And without any thinking going on, I stopped and said, you look cold. Here, take my jacket. And it was stunning. It was, I was so startled because it wasn't me. There was no thinking in that process. I, I was probably more surprised than he was. <laughs> in many ways, it felt like a, the pure, first pure act of generosity in my life because it was so pure, so from the heart. It brought me a lot of joy and happiness and peace in the reflection afterwards to feel the purity of that action. And it really supported the arising of wisdom. It was a little awakening moment to see it wasn't me. It, you know, I could take pride in that offering, but there was no me in the equation. It was just from the heart of presence, from the heart of awareness, trusting the heart, allowing that generosity, that compassion to open. So, so the homeless uh, can be a real practice for us. It's a practice for me on what, what is the appropriate Action. Most of the time, I don't give money to the homeless. Very, very little. Um, and I give money, continue to give something to Larkin Street that serves homeless and runaway youth. And in particular, I know about 80% of the youth they serve, once they get off the street, they don't get back on. Because overwhelmingly, the young people that we see on the streets are homeless through no choice of their own. They usually feel safer being on the streets, even selling themselves for sex. They feel safer doing that than they do in their home lives. That's how, how terrible their situations is. So they can really be helped in uh, getting off the streets. Once in a while I feel just that impulse where I see someone who does look cold and I'll, I'll offer them something, but usually not. And I don't know if that's right. I, mean, it's, it's, I continue to pay attention to that. Eight or nine years ago, my car was stolen in San Francisco and it was recovered. Whoever stole it parked it in a red, red zone, so I 
they towed it away and I had to pay a $450 ticket to get my car back. Barely worth that, but I uh, got, got my car back and there was a wad of about $45 in ones and a couple of fives. And it wasn't, wasn't my money, I hadn't left it in the car. And I didn't want to touch it, I wanted to get rid of it as quick as I could. I wasn't going to put it in my wallet. So the very next day, I, I had a meeting in City Hall in San Francisco, and I knew I had to walk up Van Ness about 10 blocks. So I decided I would just give that $45 away to homeless coming and going. So almost every homeless person I saw, I was giving one, two, three, five dollars $5 to. And it was amazing. I felt, I felt this joy. I felt the human connection. I felt that they felt they had been seen. I had a lot of rich conversations with people. I didn't start with the intention to get something back in return, but I did get something back in return. And it's interesting, I thought of playing with that again, going out of my house one day and deciding I'm gonna do that again, but I haven't done it. I'm not, I'm not sure why. But uh, just paying attention. I do always, um, and many of you may do the same thing to, um, Always acknowledge the person. Uh, always acknowledge, look the person in the eye when they ask for money. Let them know that they're seen, even if I, even if I don't give them anything. So this uh, giving without expecting anything in return. I used to work at the airport for many years, and uh, I'd see renunciants at the airport from time to time. So another great opportunity to accumulate merit. I would always offer to pay for their meals. Uh, they're not supposed to carry... Uh, money at all, but uh, I think there must be an exemption for air travel because they usually have some money, but I'll try and step in and and pay at the cash register. Uh, Some time ago, I was a renunciant, was going through the airport. He looked lost. I asked him if I could help him. He handed me his ticket. Um, He didn't speak English, and he was Tibetan. We, we kind of communicated. I walked him about three-quarters of a mile to his gate in the international terminal. And really, sweet guy. He was just radiating happiness. Interestingly, when he gave me his ticket, boarding pass, he never asked for it back, this level of trust. The whole way I carried his boarding pass with me before giving it back to him. And I bought him lunch, and then uh, he gave me a hug. So that's a nice bonus and gave me his card as a Rinpoche in India where he had a university, a monastery, and a hospital. And he invited me to come and visit. And, uh, I haven't done it, but pretty cool. But uh, just a few weeks after that, I saw another renunciate at a cash register, but ready to pay, and I stepped in, paid, and then I expected him to acknowledge me, expected some connection, and he just took his food and walked away. Then <laughs> I looked back. No. <laughs> I could feel the desire or the wanting for some connection. But the monks are actually, the instruction for them is not to make eye contact with the person who's offering generosity because it more fully honors the person who's being generous to not give them something back. So just uh, those of you who've... Uh, I maybe want to cut this a little short to finish on time, but the, uh, one of the great practices for me is uh, a Dharma gate for me has been uh, hospice volunteer work um, through the, first through the AIDS crisis, my way of serving during the AIDS crisis as a hospice volunteer, more recently with Zen Hospice. And most of all, it's a gift of presence, the generosity of presence. And, uh, 
when I go into the Zen Hospice guest house now, I never have the ex- anticipation or plan to be compassionate. I have the plan to be present, to offer presence. And I may cultivate some level of loving kindness for myself, but it's just to be present and allow whatever, whatever arises for the resident or family member to, to be known and supported. And in that offering, it's really been, I always feel like I get more than I give. A lot of uh, clear seeing wisdom that can arise and being fully present in that way. So many times I've seen, thinking of one resident in particular, I was with him the last six hours of his life, didn't know him well, but it was one of the most intimate experiences I've had with anyone. Seeing these Brahma Viharas compassion, joy, a lot of joy, equanimity, loving-kindness, all arise in that space. And seeing that they weren't mine and they weren't his and that there was no separation whatsoever. These beautiful qualities of the heart are not personal, not self. They're ultimately innate qualities of the heart, but we can't call them me or mine. And there's a beautiful release of the heart that happens in that clear scene. So the acceptance of uh, generosity um, really worked on cultivating this. This has been a big change in my life. I used to, if a friend would offer to buy a meal, many of you may do this, kind of go into automatic mode. No, no, we'll split the bill or I'll pay. And it really, I learned it diminishes the other person's generosity to step in that way. So now my practice is thank you. That's a really generous of you to make that, make that offering. Uh, it really honors the other person when we accept generosity without the bickering back and forth that diminishes the generosity. A couple of years ago, I had a, a friend I was just getting to know and my partner and I were at their house for dinner, about 12 people. And uh, his name is Alan and uh, just getting to know him. And he was just back from Tokyo and he served this chocolate I'd never had before called Royce chocolate. Some, someone here may know this. It's really great chocolate. And I was just uh, raving over how great this chocolate is. One of the best chocolates I'd ever had. And he spontaneously said, oh, I have a second box in the refrigerator. I'll give it to you to take home. That's great generosity. And I was so... Wow, and in the past I would have said, that's too much. You, you only bought two boxes, keep it for yourself. But practice acceptance. And I, I thanked him for it. And I really could fully take in the purity of his generosity, that purity of that spontaneous response of generosity to my comment. And I sent him a long email the next day about how I really felt such a great connection with him through that, like I'd really seen something in him. And we formed this very close friendship. It's like in that moment of my seeing him so clearly, the purity of the heart, my acknowledgement of that, it opened, opened both of our hearts for our friendship. So just to wrap it up, just uh, generosity. Generosity is a really beautiful practice, really est- establishes merit for our own path of practice. It leads to happiness and uh, leads to a happiness that's not dependent on conditions, not dependent on finances, good health, relationships. This is the direction of our practice, a happiness 
that's unconditional, and generosity deeply supports that. It's supported by the intention of loving kindness, intention of non-harming, by opening to a sense of contentment and gratitude for all the things we have in our lives. And I encourage that paying attention to the impulse. It's such a rich practice. Watch for the impulse and act on it. See how it goes. I wish I could check back in with folks in a month and see how that goes. <laughs> Take time to appreciate your own generosity. Reflect on it. And at the, maybe at the end of the day, Take a moment and lie down in bed and lie down in bed. Think of the generous acts you might have done during the day. Ultimately, the practice, so much of the practice feels about love. When we let go, when the wisdom arises, what remains is love. And uh, generosity is a natural expression of that love. So from Martin Luther King, by its very nature, love creates and builds up. Love transforms with redemptive power. So that's the inspiration for my practice in this difficult time, especially is to be a force of love is for like for those of us in this practice to be like beacons of light, even amongst those who hate. And, uh, so thank you for your attention and thank you for your practice. And uh, I think we have, we have a couple of minutes for comments or questions. Any, any comments or questions, feel free to leave if you need to. Any comments? Yes. So I struggle with the um, homelessness issue mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband, who's in this room here, hiding probably, has always taught me and my kids that they're not there f- because they choose to be. They're, mm. s- they're struggling, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in the Indian culture, we would often just think, oh, you're lazy, you know, just do something. Mm-hmm. And I've learned from my husband and, and my kids about really looking at that. But I struggle because I do feel safe most of the time. And I mm-hmm. have gotten to the point where I'll keep a few dollars and the kids mm-hmm. kind of know where to look in the car mm-hmm. not to pull out a purse mm-hmm. so there I do assess the safety but I'm, I'm sort of I, I guess I'm not clear as to when you said it's not always a good idea for this for the homelessness I, I feel like I have a good radar for safety but was there something I missed about that I was really just thinking like the other day I walked out the door of my house and a young woman is really cranked up on some drug and giving to her would have in that time meant that she was going to buy more drugs and uh, so um, and so my philosophy like, is always that I give you that and how you choose is different yeah that the, the, the generosity is un, un no expectation of anything in return so I don't know I heard, I heard the, the Pope recently said to always give uh, people ask for money, so I'm, I don't know if I'm doing it right, and uh, I'd need to give away a whole lot of money if I was giving a dollar to every person I saw on the streets. And I'll I'll walk down to the center of the Castro and probably walk by 25 homeless people. It's so prevalent, and the we- reason the, home, the word homeless I think didn't exist in the 70s was because people who were mentally ill were provided with government support and government housing, and now the mentally ill are dumped on the street. 
Yeah. And back here. Yes, I wonder if you could just say a few words about um, when you talked about earning merit through our practice. Could you explain a little bit about the meaning of that? I'm not familiar with that. The, and in the understandings and, and uh, teachings of the Buddha, the teaching is that those who give establish merit that results in uh, karmic consequences, uh, purification of intentions and actions, so that there's uh, a future merit to be realized. And the understanding of karma is that don't know exactly how that benefit might be realized, but merit is being accumulated through that generosity, through the purity of intention and action. And I, in the Buddha's teachings too, particular merit is uh, accumulated through supporting renunciants. If one has one's mind on the merit though, doesn't that undermine the Generosity. That's a very good point. Uh, it's uh, the purity of the intention without expecting anything in return. But so how do you handle the understanding of merit without it in your mind undermining the intention to give? <laughs> Loosely. <laughs> it's, it's a good exploration point. <laughs> Thank you for raising it. I think, uh, should we end now? Should Thank you. One more question? Okay. So, <clears throat> I just had a question. I, I feel like sometimes when I feel overwhelmed in life, be it kind of demands on time or money, it feels like a lot harder to give. Mm -hmm. And... I wonder if you can speak to that because I, I want to be more aware of like abundance and I feel like a lot of times when you are generous, you feel like you have more, but I mm -hmm. feel like that's a struggle for me. I think the, that quote from Mother Teresa was so beautiful that even if we don't have much to give anything is really meaningful. It can be a very small gift of time, of, of dollars, and uh, you know, that gift of just taking the time to support and listen to someone. It could be a colleague at work. It's a generous act in itself. So, so, so many forms and, and really not to be concerned about the comparing mind of how does this compare to what others may be giving. It's, it's a purity of the intention and appreciating that. I think there was one more there and then, then we need to end, yeah. I'll, I can feel free to see me after talk afterwards up here too. Yes, go. No. Last one, I think. Thanks. Um, I, um, I heard you speaking about um, the feeling of anxiety, uh, hurt, anger, hatred that's, that we're feeling so much of mm -hmm. and coupling that with generosity. And it seems to me that uh, generosity gives me an experience of uh, putting to bed some of those really um, frightening feelings. Mm -hmm. But then how to bring that to uh, a place where I'm standing up for what I feel is justice and what I feel is true and right and do it out of a sense of generosity rather than out of a sense of uh, entanglement. 
Does that make sense? It, it does make sense. And it's such a, a rich practice to be with that and to be... And I feel more of a calling than ever to make sure that I speak and act from the truth. And if I see hatred, to act on it. Yeah. So I recently was at a, a meeting in, Los, in uh, Los Angeles and someone, I think, not really with a deep intention of hatred, but made a very uh, kind of homophobic, a homophobic comment, what I registered as homophobic, and um, I was really offended by it. And... Um, I took time and I, I really sat with this and I, I knew I might be saying it in front of a group like this sometimes that it helps to keep the teacher pure on the intention. But uh, I ended up writing him an email. I said, this is the impact of your words and it's diminishing to people who are gay and it, it sends us a message we should go back in the closet like you don't, like we shouldn't be seen and it's very hurtful and uh, he wrote back in a calm way and acknowledged it. He didn't apologize, but at least he acknowledged that what I said was true. And, um, and it, in the end, what, what mattered was that I, what I said, I spoke what I felt to be the truth, and I didn't let it go by. I'm just so committed to not letting it, it go by, but to be, take the action and to stay true to the intention of kindness and not be overcome by the force of uh, greed and aversion, by anger and hatred and fear. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. So again, anyone wants to come to the front afterwards? And uh, just to close, and um, offering the merit of our time together, the merit of our practice, the merit of our presence in the world, to be for the benefit of all beings, for all beings without exception, to be free of suffering and the causes of suffering, may it be so.